Hello, and welcome to the Go Teach podcast. My name is Dr. Val Hill Jackson, and I'm the host for today's episode. I'm also the principal investigator and director of Brazos Valley Teach. I am so excited. We have Mr. Andrew Peters joining us today. We're going to have a great conversation about school university partnerships and the impact on the teaching profession. Before we get started, Mr. Peters, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks for having me. It's, it's a pleasure. I just retired uh, in early 22 from uh, being superintendent with superintendent for 17 years in four different districts. Started off as an elementary teacher, special education teacher, all here in Texas. And uh, I just, I got a family full of educators and I like uh, educating people. And I just want to be part of uh, continuing to produce good quality teachers for our Texas public schools. Well, we really appreciate you being here today. Sounds like uh, your blood runs really, really thick with uh, the teaching profession. So we're glad to have you here. Thank you. Listen, I want to get started talking to you first about sort of the why of Brazos Valley Teach. I remember we uh, approached you a couple years ago and told you about this perspective program, about developing a pathway for teachers. And before we could even get the question out of our mouths, you said yes. Why? Well, a number of reasons. I think young people today are, are different. Education is different. And we need to approach things differently. And a lot of times, both public schools and the university systems uh, kind of get stuck stuck doing the same old thing. Mm -hmm. And so I was glad to see a university wanting to do something a little different that you were pre proposing to us. Uh, the big thing is high school kids don't always know what they want to do. Mm. And if we can hook them early, we're going to help them focus. Uh, you take a community like Caldwell. School district's been there for decades. Right. I can go back and look at the history and there were people that this person's parents were teachers their parents were teachers. It's generational. Mm -hmm. That that quit happening about 15, 20 years ago. Why? I don't know. Uh, but it, I think a lot of it was just new opportunities were coming up. Mm -hmm. But I thought, we got to go back to generating our own communities to come back to teach. And then the other piece of it is, is I think a lot of times the young people go off to college and they want to get a fancy degree in something that I don't, I don't even understand. Mm -hmm. And then like five years later, they're mid 20s, late 20s, early 30s. We're like, I really want to teach. Mm -hmm. I just want to teach. Mm -hmm. And then they have to start all over again. Right. So I'm thinking, if you guys will do this, we can get these high school kids' hearts captured early. One, we're going to save them some time and money. And two, we're going to get teachers faster. Mm -hmm. And we need those teachers. And we need teachers that want to be in our small communities. Texas is still a lot of rural community in Texas. And so it's one thing to... to maybe import teachers to come to the HISDs and the Dallases. But, you know, if you're Hearn, you're Navasota and Caldwell Snook, you're out in West Texas and Balmeray or, you know, Marfa, you need to have a way to help those young people who have it. They, they love their coaches. Right. They love their math teacher. They want to, I want to be like them. Kids want to do this, but we have not done a good job of encouraging. Then we let them come over to the college and, to kind of find out the sort of things to do. Well, we still need teachers. We still need teachers. You know, you, know, you just named all of these uh, rural districts around us, and it sounds like uh, school leaders in, the, in these rural districts need to do things a little bit differently. What can you say to that rural uh, leader out there uh, to get them to, to try something innovative like this? Well, for the first time in my career, we've got a, a university partner that wants to help us. You know, I, 
15 years ago, I remember a small two-way school district that said, we're going to groom some teachers. And they gave the kids some scholarships and they sent them off to the university. Sometimes they get them back, sometimes they didn't. Mm -hmm. But this is a whole partnership that Brazos Valley Teach is going to give us that'll lead them into mentor programs and everything else. And so there's a whole team that's following them through high school, mm -hmm. onto the university, and then back again to the campus to do the residency teaching and then ultimately to become a, a full-time teacher. But where's the risk? Is there a risk for school leaders? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I, I think the risk is if you don't do it, where are you going to get these <laughs> teachers? I mean, I, I don't want to be, a, I'm not trying to be hard sales about it, but uh, there's always a risk. Yes, some of those kids will change their mind. Right. Some of them won't, but we still help them along the way. The skill sets that we taught them in those high school classes, we're doing with the with the high school staff and with the community college, those, all those skills transfer over. Right, right. So maybe there's a risk that you don't get them, but uh, my experience can tell me with the residencies programs we've done together, with what I've seen people do, most people, once they made up their mind, once they've committed and they've started, they're coming back. Listen, you know, I've been looking at some research lately that says that uh, a lot of families don't want their kids to go into teaching. And then we have educators, right, who are not selling the profession the way that they should. No, what are your not. thoughts about that? Oh, I'm glad you said it. So I can say you I saw it. I saw educators that would tell their tell kids, do not do this. Mm. Do not do this. And that's another thing that at all levels, from the state legislature all the way down, we've got to work on because we have a shortage. We're going to have to get this fixed, but we have to make the, you know, teaching is a science and an art. And unfortunately, we're very much oftentimes focused on the science. Mm -hmm. We just want the raw numbers and we mm -hmm. forgot about the relationships that have to get built. Indeed. And that's something that, in my opinion, we can start right now with Brazos Valley Teach, work with these high school kids build relationships with them, they'll not, they're not going to know, they'll know no better mm -hmm. that, oh, I'm supposed to do that when I get into the classroom. Right, right. And that, I think, is what makes Brazzaville Teach different than any other program we've done as a state where we've, you know, we've encouraged people, we've done some dual credits, we've done some things. We haven't got in depth and we haven't done a full-fledged plan to keep them uh, under our, our wings and watch them through high school, college, right. and back onto the campus. Would you say that's a highlight of that, the program? It's gotta be the, the number one reason to be part of it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because there's going to be a scaffolding and support systems to help those kids. And that's why we're not gonna lose them. Don't think you're gonna lose them. Uh, I yeah. mean, I'm not gonna let them go if they're one of mine. That's the plan. <laughs> we wanted to build this roadmap so yeah. that we give them the resources, the guidance and the support from grade eight all the way through to college and, and thereafter. Sir, I want to switch gears a little okay. bit and, and talk to you about um, school-university partnerships. Um, it's a landmine. Not a lot of us know how to do this work. Can you talk to me about the importance of school-university partnerships for, for sort of identifying and, and developing the next generation of teachers? Yeah, you've nailed it. It's a landmine on both sides. Yeah. Both public schools uh, and I think our, our university systems are very uh, traditionally based programs and they don't like to change much. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you guys probably say that about us mm -hmm. and we definitely say it about you guys. Sure. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. And so the problem is, is that anytime we're trying, when we're trying to work together, 
You know, it's, it's whose rules are we going to play by? Right. And we need to start focusing on us working together for the common good. And, and you and I have been doing that for as long as I've known you. <laughs> and I appreciate it. So the, the whole idea is we got a number of, of people that would be awesome at being teachers or we've done partnerships with other, other um, programs at the university to do STEM classes and other mm -hmm. things like that. But both need, both organizations need to have a sit down conference about, okay, what are you going to do? What am I going to do? And you know, what do you need me to do mm -hmm. to make this work for you? Um, and I think that's going to be a big difference because there's so many things we can do. Here's one of the big things that I found when we worked with, your student teachers yes. in the year of COVID, everybody was just a nervous wreck, but we said, nope, we want them. And they mm -hmm. came on. We got to teach them that, you know, what you went to college for and you got prepared for, you don't know what's going to happen. This is all new to all of us. Right. At the same time, they came in as experts because they were getting all this technology in all their courses. So they were able to help teachers of teaching 20, 25 years to how to do how to do Zoom, how to do online classes. And it was a great partnership. And those ladies were instantly heroes because they knew how to do some right. of that technology. I remember the first time uh, putting in a overhead projectors and projectors, you know, a lot of teachers get scared of that new technology. Right. But at the university level, you guys are trying that out. You're exposing your students to it long before we are mm -hmm. and all the fancy things. And so by working together, we're able to really help our old institution. Right. And at the same time, your folks are going to be, especially the Brazos Valley teacher, going to be so involved with us from when they're in eighth grade on that it's going to, I think it's going to help you guys too. Because mm -hmm. you're going to say, well, they got this need. They may not know they have this need, but you help identify it. And we'll be able to help both organizations do our jobs better. I may be putting you on the spot a little bit here, but yeah. you know, there are all kinds of barriers that get in the way of that kind of good work that needs to happen, right? What would you sort of um, identify as uh, one or two of those barriers? It's all, always the leadership. Okay. Leadership. If So I get credit for doing a lot of things, but as a superintendent, I was in a lot of positions to break the rules, mm -hmm. right? If you get a leader who doesn't want to break tradition, don't want to try anything at either the university level or the school level, we're just not going to be able to do things mm -hmm. because we're just too ingrained in our own, our own selves. So you got to have... Um, Usually the, the leader has to be a visionary and has to be a risk taker. I appreciate you saying that. There are risks. I've taken tons of risk over my careers. But you know what? If we're doing what's right for kids, it'll all come out. We may learn that's not the best way to do it. Let's mm -hmm. back up and do it a different way. But that's the only way we're going to be able to replace the, the number of teachers retiring and just the shortage. And, and, right. and to get, I will tell you, the other huge problem we have is to get a diversity in our classrooms. Yeah. And if we're just going to be at our level, if we're telling them, don't be a teacher, I mean, and you're not able to help recruit, you know, find people to be in these education classes, we're not going to have much of a classroom because we're not going to have anybody there. Because everywhere I go, I, you know, I'll see 78% Hispanic school and they got one Hispanic teacher. Mm. You know, that that's not right. And right. You, don't, you don't have to be the same ethnicity to teach somebody. That's right. But when I was out in West Texas, I learned real quick, if the kids identify and they see it, guess what? They want to do it too. Mm -hmm. And so they got a, a Hispanic teacher. They're going to say, 
people. I want to be like her. Right. And so then that young Hispanic boy who's got no college education says, I'm going to college. How do I do it? That's right. And so that's real important to me. That's been something that's really been driving me for a long time is how do we bring uh, urban kids into the system, bring diversity, whatever it is, we need to get um, more and more. We need become more like our communities and less like ourselves. Oh, I like that. You know, thank you for saying that, Mr. Peters, because uh, representation matters. It does. And when our kids can see, you know, their own sort of reflection in front of the classroom, that makes a difference. And you're exactly right. We don't need to have that sort of likeness, right? I, we don't need a, a Hispanic teacher teaching Hispanic kids or African-American teachers teaching African-American kids. But I know as a teacher, that it meant something for my students to see me in front of the classroom and know that they could come to me and see that reflection of themselves for sure. It's the only way they're going to get that. to. It's the only way they're going to get to have the dream. Absolutely, they got to be able to see something, and it doesn't have to be a hundred percent perfect, but it's got to be. The door has to be open. Absolutely, for it. and, and it, it will help us solve the shortage of qualified educators we'll have, we have right now. So imagine if our teachers look like America, yeah. right? That has to be the goal. That's awesome. 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 I'm going to move on now and talk to you a little bit about the graduate, right? So imagine that we've done our job. We've been good partners. We identify those babies in grade eight. We support them with dual credit coursework throughout high school. They're getting those education and training specific courses going on to community college, going on to a four-year institution. Now they're back in the community. Right. What does that mean for the community? It's going to be huge because they it's not like an afterthought to them. Right. They've had potentially eight years of thinking about being a teacher. They've had eight years of positive people impacting their lives, helping molding them in, in, into the teacher that they're about to become. And then hopefully if they come back, I would prefer a residency program uh, because I just feel like uh, in professions, they do, you, you go in for more than the eight weeks that I did 30 <laughs> years ago, you know, and you have a partner and then they become, when they're a first year teacher, getting paid a first year salary, they're really a second year teacher. I think these Brazos Valley teach kids will be even like a third year teacher mm. because they're going to be exposed throughout those years. They're going to be going in the classrooms when they're in 11th grade. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so they're going to have that feel. And it's like those, I interviewed these couple of young ladies in El Paso one time, wanted to be teachers. And they talked about their, they always dreamed about being a teacher, that they played teacher when they were in second grade, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, that's what Brazos Valley Teach is going to help our high school kids be able to do. Mm -hmm. They're going to get to expose themselves to it. And if, when they make it through that eight years, they're going to be able to give back to their communities. It's yeah. going to be great. Well, we call that the boomerang effect. The, I love it. <laughs> Fancy research term. Yes. There you go. There <laughs> yeah. you go. Listen, uh, thank you for today. But before we let you go, we got to, you know, talk about the future, right? So here we are started this great partnership. We're a couple years in now. And where do you see the partnership, you know, in five to 10 years? Well, I hope that it, it grows into something that is a routine way of us making, uh, finding our teachers. Yes. Uh, where, you know, at least with a couple dozen districts, you know that, hey, we're working with these districts. And, and it doesn't have to be the return to Caldwell or whatever district I just came from. I think that we can, if we're all working together and we're producing, you know, however many partners you have, we're all producing you a certain number, 
it's going to be a stronger number of people. So whether when people get, you know, some superintendents get real frustrated when people come to their district and then they leave. Right. We are a mobile country. We just move a lot. But as long as I had a part in helping them become a better teacher, mm -hmm. as long as they're serving kids wherever, it's still a good thing. It's, a good thing. it's still the investment was worth it for our country and for our, all of our communities. And so I think that's a good thing. The other thing I would love to see Brazos Valley Teach do is just continue to um, help us solve this problem. And maybe down the road, it's um, we'll figure out another group of people that we could recruit. Maybe it's in way, maybe it's a different type with principals, mm -hmm. you know, with we, I don't think anybody's talking about this, but there's a huge leadership shortage. Mm -hmm. If it's not here yet, it will be. Mm -hmm. And then think about with our community uh, schools, uh, community college partnerships, right. we need to strengthen the teacher aides and the teacher assistants. They're not, they're, the teachers can't do it all by themselves. There's right. a huge number of needs with our uh, ESL kids and our special needs kids. Mm -hmm. And we need to be able to develop um, trainings together because I don't think the public schools can do a very good job by themselves. They need your help and, uh, and the community colleges as well to help us find the people that can really serve these precious children that have uh, special challenges that we have to meet. Mm, I like that. A consortium. Yes. of educators developing alongside each other, schools and universities working together. Before we wrap up today, let's envision uh, a point in time where we no longer have a teacher shortage. What does that look like for you? Wow, that'd be amazing. Um, I think it can happen. I would hope it would happen in my lifetime. That would be fantastic. One of the things I think would that would do for the public schools is it will help our communities have their trust in public schools. Mm -hmm. Public schools, they get beat up a lot in the social media and the national media. That doesn't mean, uh, there's a Gallup poll that's been out for years that talks about how parents and community people grade their schools. And it's been going on since the 40s. And people locally score their schools very high, their local school, but they give terrible grades mm -hmm. to the other schools. Mm -hmm. If we didn't have a teacher shortage and everybody had high, highly trained, highly qualified teachers, could you imagine that maybe we could finally break that 70 year old trend and think that my neighborhood, the neighbor's school is just as good as mine. Mm -hmm. I would love to see that. that. That's where we need to get to. We need to be able to say our school is great. And so is yours. Thank you, Mr. Peters, for a uh, great uh, conversation today. And that does it for this episode of Go Teach. Mm -hmm.